Good evening, everyone, and thank you very much for joining us tonight. Uh, for this week's uh, Those That Can Do webcast and uh, conversation, we're joined by Phil Taubman, who's a director at Pommy and Canon Trading. Uh, Phil, welcome. Yeah, hi, Pat. Thanks for having me. And um, Phil, we're really glad to have you here tonight. And, and I'll get to you in, in just one moment. But um, my co-host, Ivan, as well, is joining us. Where's my slide on Ivan? Here we go. Um, <laughs> had, a, had a busy day today. Uh, himself an, an ASX participant, an ASX clearer technology business. Um, so there you go. There's Ivan. Congratulations, Ivan. Big day, mate. Thanks, mate. It was yesterday, but it's all the same. It's okay. <laughs> Should be interviewing you. <laughs> no, 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 no. We're much more. We're much more interested in Pommy, mate. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. Yeah. We'll we'll, inter- we'll get to you one day, Ivan. Um, no, that's fine. That's fine. I'm, I'm anyway, happy with where I don't want Ivan to steal the show. We're here to hear from Phil, but. Well, it's it's newsworthy. Um, so <laughs> Thanks. Any advice that's contained in tonight's presentation is general only. It doesn't take into consideration your personal circumstances, and you need to decide for yourself whether it's appropriate for you. Past returns are not an accurate indicator of future returns. Uh, we'll be talking about trading tonight. If you're interested in getting into trading, you need to know what you're doing. We would not recommend it. Uh, you get in there if you don't. Um, and getting education and, and, and the like, very, very important. Sessions like tonight are very, very valuable. Um, the sessions that we run are generally targeting, well, not targeting, but generally aimed at an audience that understands trading. If you're new to trading, you might be coming through the ASX Options Trading Game that, they're running at, that we're running at the moment, or, um, you know, like you'll definitely get a lot out of tonight. Technically, there are things that are discussed that are above your head. Don't worry, you'll pick up the lingo if you stick with it. Uh, it'll get You'll get there eventually. Uh, there's always a lot you can learn by people uh, like Phil um, who have been out there doing it and uh, doing it in a serious way. So there you go. That's our intro. Thank you um, for making the time, guys. So, Phil, um, could you quickly give us a, a bit of an explanation um, on, you know, uh, on Canon and and um, Pommy, and what you sort of do, do day to day. Uh, sure. Um, so, Pommy's uh, my day trading business. So that's that's been active for about thirteen years now, um, and I guess I'm a solo trader in that, um, and predominantly day trading. So it used to be a bit of portfolio management, I used to manage super, um, and then post-GFC, that all became proprietary. Uh, And then Canon uh, is a business that I run with with a partner, that's more of a tech, the tech side where we uh, provide plumbing to the exchange via our APIs for multiple businesses to to trade via, via our web services. Um, so that also comprises of, there's some algos in there. Um, yeah, that's pretty much it. 
Okay, and what, and and the the plumbing, as you as you say, that you provide, <laughs> is it about giving people um, just is it just purely connectivity? Is it speed to market? What what does what does it do? Um, so there, are, so businesses um, like uh, Raise and Self Wealth, uh, so that their platform businesses that that offer execution, they use where, where the where the back end of that together with um, open markets. So open markets will provide the um, the iris services and the broking services, and will provide the connectivity for those guys to be able to trade. Okay, very good. And so, is it? Do you have other traders in your team, or is it? Is it this driven purely by yourself? Uh, for Pommy, it's uh, yeah. it's mainly me. Um, I used to uh, I used to have a few juniors uh, mm -hmm. who I was teaching to to trade. Um, then the market became very algo heavy, and uh, it was it was not really a a day trader's game, so to speak, without machines. Mm. So a lot a lot of a lot of people have come and gone in this in this industry based on on how uh, how heavy the day trading is now focused on algorithms yeah and the inch you're a equities trader is that correct or are you trading other instruments as well uh, mainly equities so I used to trade uh, a lot of futures and uh, warrants mm -hmm. um, but now I've, I've moved I've moved mainly into equities yeah okay um, now I will add. Uh, I usually at the start of these sessions just make the point that if anyone's got any questions they would like to ask Bill as we're going, by all means put them into the chat box. If your chat box isn't open, top right hand corner of the screen, uh, and you can launch that chat box. Um, so by all means, um, put your questions down. Not everyone can see your questions. Only I can, and I will call them out. So if I'll, I'll, I'll read them, and I won't read your full name and so forth so you can get you can get involved right so um so phil you're mainly can you can you explain to uh the people on session tonight just sort of as a um you know day to day what what your trading looks like what do you do in this process um so i get various reports early on so because i've been in the industry for a while i've got quite a few contacts so I get reports from from different brokers about where their market activity is going to be um, that doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to be going trading in the direction that they say they're going to be trading quite often it's the opposite because by the time they've made their information public they're already uh, heavily involved in those securities um, so I get those reports and then also um, read through the AFR before the bell uh, and see what, what the movements are in, in terms of um, overnight. So I have an ADR report, which is um, 
basically what all the stocks have closed in other countries. The stocks that trade across multiple countries like BHP, where that closed in either South Africa or in London, and what the Australian dollar equivalent of that is, and then what the resources, uh, sorry, the commodities that trade across the world as well. So gold, copper, iron ore, oil. So those, that's that's kind of my morning, my morning ritual. Yeah. Um, and then I go, I I look for opportunities. I look for mispriced opportunities early in the morning between the overnight closes and and where our stocks are opening. Um, and then once, so that that lasts probably for about. 30 to 45 minutes yep. and then the rest of the day I mainly trade, I trade a lot of REITs, so that's Aussie REITs, that's all the Australian property stocks, um, so they, they get active around that 10.45, 11 o'clock mark and mm -hmm. so I move out of, out of the resources and what, whatever else has been was supposed to move that day, and I move into those for the rest of the day. How how are you establishing? You mentioned mispricing. How do you establish that mispricing? What are you looking for? Um, so, so someone there'll be orders. There'll be orders to fill for the ADR. So that there'll be there'll be orders that either didn't get done in London or somewhere, and then they'll come onto our screen and. Those, those orders will be deep in the market and the machines will play around with that match early on. So you might get a missed price open by half a percent, a percent, sometimes two percent with a big order and there'll be no one on the to take the other side of that trade and I'll usually take it and then I'll wait for the order flow to come in over that first half hour and usually the, the gaps from from where that stock should be globally will will close throughout that morning session so i guess you just there's obviously a risk it's 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 high risk trading because there's a chance that no one will come in but 9 out of 10 times it does and sometimes you have to even wait till 2 p.m. for those gaps to close but they most or mostly they do. Yeah. Um, how much? So you you mentioned um, you then get onto trading the reach from ten forty five. Are you in front of the market all day? Yes. Yep. So you you've got to watch. So in in those stocks, I trade a bit differently. There. That, that's that's mainly where I do most of my volume. So my trading is. I basically trade what's on the screen. Yep. Um, so some stocks are very thin, so I'll, I'll trade how they trade, and then the the REITs are, are big, big thick stocks. So I'll I'll trade them how they how they move. So they trade in tight ranges um, mm -hmm. on big volumes, and so I'm I'm kind of there all day on on both sides, helping create some. Uh, some liquidity. 
Yeah. Uh, and, and is that one of the challenges with trading, the actual liquidity of being able to get in and out in those ranges? Yes, it's it's the the markets. Other, if you take the last three to four months away, the the liquidity is very tight in the Australian market. So I find that on on some days, I can be twenty or thirty percent of the volume in any of the stocks I'm in. Yeah. So I'm, so I trade a lot of the I trade some of the telcos as well, like Telstra. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so so that's probably the the most liquid stock you can find on the market, and even in that, I'm sometimes twenty or thirty percent of the volume there. Really? Um, yeah. And are you just trading Aussie market, or do you, you trade internationally? No, only Aussie. Mm-hmm. So I used to trade. Uh, I used to trade in New York in 2011 and 12, but that was my uh, my main stint. Yeah. In and, in and the US was just for two years. Yep. How how did you get started um, as a trader? I uh, I've mainly made my way up through the ranks. So as a as a junior. Um, I was an operations person, a bookings person, um, and then I was a, a retail broker. So we mainly did uh, IPOs and placements in small speculative mining and um, gold stocks. And then I became an institutional trader. Mm-hmm. So I moved, yeah, I moved from retail onto the Insta desk and and worked orders for for a lot of the big a lot of the big banks and Macquarie and Perpetual Colonial those sorts of uh, those sort of uh, fund managers and they were <laughs> that's quite a a ruthless gig because you you pretty much that's that's where that's where I I learned to day trade because if you didn't beat the market VWAP, you pretty much didn't get another order. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and so how did you learn uh, or start to learn, um, you know, to be, to be that day trader? I mean, obviously through that, but was there anyone that sort of guided you? Were you getting advice? Was it observing other traders? Yeah, so there's... Yeah. There was quite a quite a few different ways. Uh, one was obviously uh, working the working the orders for the Insta guys. Um, so you might get an order to buy ten million Qantas or something over the day. Um, so you and so you had to trade in order to beat VWAP. You sometimes had to do more volume than what they've given you and sell some stock in order to um, to change the market. Um, and then I started doing some uh, managing super as well, and a lot of the uh, a lot of the the super fun guys they liked to punt on the side. Yep. And so uh, they would they would uh, they would day trade all day on the desk, 
So they just basically had a squat box in the middle of the room and, and a, just an open line and they would just trade all day and I would work all their orders. Yeah, right. Um, and then we, we there was uh, the the operator used to any any newbies anyone who just started started day trading if you went to place an order for yourself he would just call out and cross you up so he would take the other side of your position he wouldn't even look at what you were doing he just knew you were wrong <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah it was pretty ruthless I was like but you, you you don't even know what I'm trading he's like I don't care. <laughs> I haven't even told you. I haven't even. I haven't even told you the stock code. He's like, that's right, because he, he knew that if you've if you've placed the order, if you've given the order in in the wrong sequence, you don't know what you're doing, and he can just cross you up straight away. He's like, if I've heard your volume before I've heard the stock, you're going to lose money. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> some harsh. There was some harsh lessons. Yeah, I love. It. Sounds like a provider. Um, the the um, uh, what um, what's a common myth uh, about trading uh, that that you can debunk for us? Um, that you can do it as a a side gig. It's mm -hmm. like a. You know, a, a side hustle where you, you can do it part time while you while you have another job, or or you can uh, you know you can just well, I get that I get that a lot from people that no, I just want to I just want to day trade. Um, I've got a couple of hours spare in the morning, yeah. twice a week, and that's that's just not going to work. It's a full time it's a full time job, and it has. I think like starting any business it's expensive and it's and it takes you know you've got to dedicate years and you've got to dedicate quite a bit of capital and be comfortable with losing that yeah in order to uh to start making money I guess that that's one and then and then the other is uh you know you sort of you you give people the opportunity to test their pain threshold, and everyone seems to have a very large pain threshold, and until they start losing money. Yeah. So I. That's you something you only. Sorry. So Maybe so handle. Sorry, Ivan. Um, I'll let you ask. Sorry about it. Uh, oh no! I was just saying that it's so down. I'm just sitting in the back, kind of remembering my. Dad. You just want to know what my pain threshold is. <laughs> no, no, no. Especially well, know what that is. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I don't know. I just uh, I, I can say uh, anyway. I'll, I'll I'll wait probably up. Um, hijack so, thing. Yeah, thank you. The um, uh, David's asked um, how. Well, how do you deal with stress? Good. Mm. It's uh, you know, I guess before I was before I was day trading, I used to work at um, at a company called Quicken. So I looked after all their broking. There it was like online broking, and then at night time, I would 
gamble at the casino. So you've got to always, it's, you know, I've had an appetite for risk from a very early stage. Yeah. So when it when it when it comes, that's, you know, it's a lot of people don't have that that risk appetite, and that's where uh, when they start day trading, and they start losing money, it's uh, they realize pretty quickly that it's not for them. You've really got to enjoy you... looking at the screens as a day trader, don't you? I did it for a period of time. Yeah. I struggled with was uh, just the yeah. amount of time got to be there looking at screens would you agree with that yeah yep it's a lot of it's a lot of on-screen time um, yep. it's a lot of uh, um, not moving from your desk you've got to really alter your diet because uh, there are no bathroom breaks between um, 10 and 4 so that's that that doesn't suit a lot of people mm. yeah definitely um, Dave's asked, I'm interested as to why Phil went from futures and warrants trading to trading equities. Um, so I used to, I used to trade uh, warrants um, because it, it gave you access to futures. So I used to trade uh, spy, spy warrants. Yep. Um, and they trade one for one and you could get, it was... Um, Sort of pre pre GFC, you could get uh, you could get a lot of volume from a market maker yeah. on the spy. You can get as many, you know, AB and Amro would give you as many contracts as you want at any at any price, even though there was only one contract on the bid and offer at any one time. Yeah. Um, but when I guess the the the, the um, futures got overrun by machines where there was no there was no possibility for a, a human to to make money long term so I, I would find so I did an an Excel spreadsheet of about six to nine months and I would find that I would make I would probably make money every day for two months and then the two or three days that I would lose money would wipe out my entire profit. Yeah. Because you, you would just have, you would have blowouts where, where, where the machines would stop you out. And it's always, a, it was, and it was always a, a couple of contracts uh, and a couple of points past your, uh, your pain threshold or your stop loss. Um, and now because they trade, so the, the, the spy trades in accordance with equities. So you can get your exposure, if you're fast enough, you can get your exposure to, the, to that basket of securities and there's probably maybe a one or two second lag where the futures will move and then you can buy something that's heavily weighted to the SPY like a CBA or BHP and there's always a time lag. So if you're trading off one to two minute intervals, then you can pick up you can pick up baskets of stocks 
before a big spy move. Yeah. Hey, um, Justin's asked, what aspects of ELGO traders pushed humans out of the market, the day trading market? Uh, so what aspect yeah. or what percentage? No, what aspects? Uh, um, well, I guess that, that they just, so what would happen is the stocks wouldn't trade for half an hour, an hour, and then there'd be two machines programmed to trade once it hits a certain price. And the stock may have done a million shares all day up to lunchtime, and then within a period of five or ten seconds, it might trade ten times that daily volume, and that'll be it for the day. And there'll be a buyer, or a, sorry, there'll be a winner or a loser in terms of the buyer would win or the loser would would win. Sorry, the buyer would win or the seller would win, and then the stock would jump 2% or fall 2% and you're basically gambling because you've got no idea who's going to win. Yeah. And they've and they've just it's it's not natural order flow over the day. It's just they wait for triggers and once once some once a certain part of their um, their algorithm has been triggered they'll just soak up all that volume. So you've got to be very careful. Is there uh, one favourite indicator or is there one favourite thing to observe um, in your decision making? Uh, yes. Yeah, well, there's, there's quite a few, but um, I guess I, I wait uh, for, for those... I wait for, for that volume breakout to happen and then I try to jump in. So whoever wants, wants those two buyers and sellers, so the mistakes that I used to make is that I would already have a position before that volume would start between the buyer and the seller. Um, and now I sit, I, I sit and wait for the end of that order. So at the end of one of those orders, there will be a big crossing on the market or the algorithm would, would finish and there would be, you know, that there would be a certain amount of volume left on the screen that you can pick up and then that stock will move either on the downside or the upside. But you've got to be very patient. When you say very patient, um uh, how often would you be using this? Well, you, you, you're pretty much doing it all day. You're, you're, you're effectively in, in, you're effectively a sniper, right? You're just, you, you're, you're waiting. You've, you've got a whole bunch of stocks that you watch um, that are on, on, that are either on your 30-minute or 10-minute candle. Um, and that's where, and that's usually where a lot of the volume will happen, when mm -hmm. it's when it's about to break one of those charts. Yeah. Um, and then and then you've you've just got to be ready to to execute. And the problem is you you can't you can't be a machine 
So I've got various algos of my own, but for trading for trading those those sorts of indicators, you've got to watch manually for the order to finish. And each stock, because it's always the same people that are in it, um, each stock has has its own way of trading that that you know that the order's over. Um. And you just mentioned each stock has got its own people, the, the, the same people in it. So the same people trading it? Yeah, the same traders are the same fund managers who are, un who are rebalancing their portfolios, who are, who are either mm. writing options or um, I guess I, I don't know the, uh, the reasons for, for, for why they're in it, but... That's they just have a certain pattern for how they trade, and you've just got to look for those patterns and learn each stock individually. That's why it takes so long. You know, it takes it takes months to learn each individual stock and and how it moves. Yeah, good. Um, what's your biggest trading memory or the biggest event? That's occurred um, to you whilst you've been trading. I'll tr I'll try not to tear up. <laughs> um, <laughs> so in uh, I think in I think it was I went broke in in two thousand and six or seven. So I got wiped out, which is why I started as a day trader. Um, I got wiped out in in a, in that in the London bombings, and the overnight there was an, a you know a terrorist attack, and um, I had big positions open, um, and I've come in <laughs> to the office the next day with with the market having a huge move, a huge correction, um, and that that basically that wiped out all my trading capital times quite a bit. So I had to do a deal with with the broking firm that I traded through at the time to repay that debt over a 12-month period and get a second job. <laughs> that would have been tough. Um... That was tough. Yeah, just going into anyway. I won't go into the details, but it was uh, <laughs> it was not it was not a pleasant day. No, and those sorts well, of those sorts of things leave a mark on how you on how you behave in the future. Mm. So, I've noticed that with my interactions with you. I think, <laughs> I think when I when I sort of when I first met you face to face, I think uh, I, I felt like almost giving you a hug when I heard about this story. <laughs> <laughs> it's all right. Don't feel too sorry for me. <laughs> um, no, Danny, no, that's no, okay. okay. Danny's asked, uh, does that mean that you don't hold any positions overnight? None. <laughs> okay. <laughs> unless, unless you're really got stuck. <laughs> yes. Yeah. No, there, there, there are there are small cap stocks that I, you know. If, if I really like a story, then I will hold, but it's very rare. 
Um, so I did have, I think maybe, probably goes back uh, maybe a year or two when, when all the, the marijuana sector started moving. Um, so I did hold quite a few of those stocks. I do like to hold things when there's a pattern in a sector, but I don't care about the individual security. I care about the, the whole sector, so I wouldn't buy just one stock. That's my favorite. I would buy 10. Right. So that's, that's kind of how I hold. I don't, I don't really hold something because I, I like a particular security. Um, how many stocks do you watch at the same time? Um, probably 10. So I can probably actively trade maybe. Sorry, go. And that's, so there's like 10 order depths sitting in your screen, yeah? Yes. Or screens, I should say. You're probably one of those guys <laughs> that has 15 screens in front of them pretending like you're uh, uh, Wolf of Wall Street. There's not many screens, but they're very large. And they, hold a lot of, <laughs> they hold a lot of real estate. It's all about getting the best resolution to fit the most amount of depth screens you can on one gotcha. page. Gotcha. Who said the size yeah. doesn't matter? <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know. They obviously haven't seen the screen big enough. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Um, sorry, Pat, I interrupted you there with my... <laughs> with my... No, no, that's okay. Ivan, maybe um, you want to pick up um, from here, and there's a couple of questions in there as well. Do you want to read those questions out, Ivan, or would you like me to read them out? Uh, yeah, there's probably a couple. Maybe, maybe we'll come back to them just in a sec. Um, I mean, it's interesting uh, It's interesting listening uh, to you talk about, um, you know, effectively being a liquidity provider and it goes back to uh, uh, it goes back to where and not where I started, but we had a bit of a conversation about this. I used to do the exact same thing in futures and uh, you know, to say that the, that the job is soul-destroying is probably an understatement, and and you can probably hear in the way that Phil <laughs> talks, it's all very calculated. It's measured. There's nothing. There's nothing that can throw Phil off track. <laughs> that's no. uh, that's a stress before. It's like you know. And by the way, um, uh, you, you probably got the same stuff with, with with your wife. It's like you know when when they get a bit emotional or a bit you know. It's like you're just like okay, cool, and then they just go, "What's wrong with you? Just give me some emotion." <laughs> Like, anyway, it's... I, I keep I, I wait till everyone's asleep and then I close the door and, and then I cry in, in private. I don't let anybody I don't let anybody see my emotions. But I, I think that's a back to back to a comment you made earlier or and a question you made earlier, Pat, um, about another myth to debunk in day trading is that you know everything you learn and read is that. They tell you, oh yeah, there's there's no emotion involved. It's all got to be calculated. You've got to remove that, and I I've never experienced that. Um, I think there's, mm. you know, especially as a day trader, there's there's a lot of emotion, there's a lot of stress, and 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 I think that's that helps as as part of as a day trader. All you have are at the end of the day, you can have as many resources and tools under the sun but it's it's mainly your instincts that that will guide you and 
you know, if you bury all your emotions and just stare at that chart, you 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 will not succeed. And you know, a, <laughs> a trader that I used to trade with, um, that I sat next to for a while, um, made a joke once. He's he just said, "Oh, because I said, oh, look at this chart. This stock's about to break to break out." He's like, "Who cares about the chart? I make the chart." <laughs> and I guess that's, um, I guess that's you know when 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 you do enough volume or when you trade enough, you it's true you actually you can create the charts. So yeah, especially if you're trading at the right point, right? Like you know if if you're yes. trading at the, at the at the pivot point. Um, yeah. but I guess. One of the interesting things that that comes across, and, and we haven't spoken about this, so I'm I'm going to throw you completely off um, uh, in all of our conversations, uh, as as you have been all down the line. But one of the things that is quite interesting is that as you're talking about how you approach trading, it seems like you've got a pretty well defined trading system behind you, or at least you've got a set of trading rules that you will follow on a day to day basis. Am I reading that correctly? Correct. Yes. Yeah. You've 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 pretty much got a break. You, you've you've got to know when each market opens across uh, in your time zone, um, and you've got to know what stocks uh, those markets will push, and and that sort of happens throughout the day. And you've got to know when when the quiet periods are and. I guess that's why. So, what one of the one of the algos we created was it's called like a dynamic VWAP, where um, it uh, it basically dies down throughout the lunchtime period. Mm-hmm. Um, but what it can also do is that it can, you know, in in active times there there will be um, there will be lunch times when it is busy, and it'll and it won't just take the last you know, 12 months or 30 days and say, oh, well, it's quiet over lunch, so we're not going to trade. It'll, it'll, it'll sort of learn as it goes. And if it sees that it's busy over a certain period of time, that it's not usually a will trade into there. So mm. there, is room, there is room to change your rules, but nine out of ten times the market will pretty much, it's, it follows a daily pattern um, and you've just got to get into that rhythm. Mm. Uh, on that, uh, Rowan just came through, and, and Rowan loves a bit of volume in his trading. Um, is that effectively like do you use volume or like average volume to weight up, weigh up your um, your algo, your VWAP algo? Uh, yes, yeah. It's basically it's um, it takes it, it takes out. Uh, um, we we do it on a twenty nine. Day period instead of the full month. Uh, yeah. I, I won't go into that, but um, it, it is. It, it just takes it takes all the the average volume for that period and, and spreads it out by the day, and 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 from that you you it executes. Yeah, and when you're observing, uh, <laughs> yeah, thanks, Rod. Uh, when you're observing how uh, stock moves. Um, have you got sort of 
mental boxes or do you have a gut feel when you're looking at those? Or do you literally just look at, at sort of depth moving in, you recognise the players and then you're observing, uh, you know, certain indicators or charting studies? So, um, so depending on what, what stocks you're in, so if, if you're trading a lot of the big, big thick stocks like the Telstra's and a lot of like the REITs, Stockland and um, those sorts of stocks, there's, there's a couple of different algos that are in there. Um, and you can, and if you watch them long enough, you know when they're starting to run out of steam. Mm. And sometimes that might take 20 minutes. Sometimes that might take two hours. Um, but they, they all pretty much follow a similar pattern where, where you know they're getting to the tail end of their order. Mm. Um, Interesting. And, and how... I... Sorry, no, no, sorry. Yeah. Oh, well, what I was going to say is that even you know machines are still programmed by humans, and it's that the way that it's done is you can still see the sort of the human element in in that design. That's why mm. there's still room for me to to trade manually. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it, it's just actually, you know, I, I subscribe to the view that, um, and like you're in a in a very tough period, in a tough part of the market where, you know, like you've got to be super sharp at all times. You know, if you wake up with a hangover, you might as well not trade, right? And no, that's uh, right. That, that they that's, were they were big lessons. They were very big lessons. Uh, the expensive ones to, uh, yeah, you know, of course, especially. Yeah. You know, I've I've got young children, and uh, they've uh, they've cost me a lot of money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so you you feel the extra pressure as well. So you know, uh, yeah, uh, yeah. No, I, I I I get that very well. But uh, but it's interesting. So you know, I, but I I perfectly subscribe to the fact that, and this is kind of why why I like trading options now uh, and swing trading in particular, um, just because I don't have to play in your um, in, in sort of that highly competitive area where you're, you are fighting algorithms and effectively you're picking up the inefficiencies of um, humans programming shitty algorithms um, and That's then right. trying to, yeah. And so, but part of, as far as I understand, and, you know, keep in mind that at least, you know, someone in my new company um, sees a bit of your flow, um, and, and so one of the things that you didn't probably mention is that you, you are a part of uh, a community of traders uh, that, yes. uh, that, that sort of trade through and, and um, you guys all sort of used to work together. But um, uh, Telstra is one of those interesting stocks in particular. You guys properly stack the depth, right? And, and for, for those of you that have no idea what the hell I'm talking about, um, a lot of buys and a lot of sells sitting on, on in the depth I mean, do you kind yeah. of lock the price in or are you just waiting, you're just saying, okay, well, people are going to buy and sell naturally and I'm going to cover my position if anything goes crazy? Yeah, so I guess because Telstra is so, so thick, you want priority. Yeah. So you, so you, so you, you've, you've got to start, um, I guess I look at the, you know, the last few days range and see where it might trade. Um, sometimes I might not even not even watch it and just leave a few orders outside the market um, and just and just let them trade throughout the day on a smaller scale 
uh, and that's why you'll find that a lot of us are just there, just sitting in the market, waiting to get filled on those positions if there's a, a blowout in the spy, mm. and you might you might get sweeped on the upside or the downside, um, and you're already at, and it might it might not be the whole thing. That's why you want to be in the queue. Mm. So it might it might only trade a percentage of the volume that's that, that's on offer on the screen, and you know. Uh, so one one of the traders, um, he is notorious for this, where he used to, he probably doesn't do it anymore, but he for, for years he would log on at seven seven o one. So seven o that seven o'clock is when is when you're allowed to put bids and offers in the screen. So he he would he would log in at seven o one and and get all his priorities for the day and the ten or twenty stocks that he would trade. Hmm. So that is I, it is a system it is a system that 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 works over time. I don't recommend it, but <laughs> it can be <laughs> especially at the especially at the moment in this yeah. in this market where where there's a lot of there's there's a lot of uncertainty and a lot of news-driven and sentiment-driven trading. Mm. Uh, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be leaving too many things in the screen unattended. I'm gonna uh, tell you a story, but before that, I'm gonna ask you a question. That I, uh, it's it's going to go deep. Um, so one oh. of the questions uh, that came through. I, I'm going to give you a bit of time to think about it while I. But uh, why okay. do you, other than to make money? In other words, do you have a greater purpose in life from trading? A question from David. So while you're thinking about okay. that question, right? Um, okay. Because 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 you you probably your your instinct or at least my instinct to that answer would be immediately it's for money, and then uh, anyway. But, but but you know you're a very strangely strangely no strangely it's not the only answer. But yeah, I'll. Uh, I'm just messing with you, Phil. Um, but anyway, while, while, <laughs> while you think about that, uh, speaking about order depth, um, uh, and I, I think I told you the story before, but anyway, um, I, had a, I had a guy I used to work with and um, uh, so when I was uh, prop trading futures, and it was just one of those days where I literally couldn't get a single trade right. I mean, I was gone 15 minutes after I got into the office. Like, I just, the day started, I got into some positions, I immediately blew up on every position, every time I was buying, the market was falling, and, and anyway, and I was shipped out. So anyway, um, the next day, I come into the office feeling quite refreshed, uh, because, you know, I didn't work the whole day. Anyway, and the guy who sits behind me, he was the complete opposite. So, and typically, um, he'd always be on, on other positions. So, when the market was trending, I'd, do be, I'd, I'd be doing better. When the market was sideways, he'd be doing better. And um, anyway, and so this was one of those days where he was just absolutely creaming. Every every trade he would pick was just the the, the high and the low, and he was just making a killing. Uh, and he decided, you know what, the you should hire that guy. <laughs> Totally, except he had a similar situation to you where he then decided to trade the Japanese market. And what he does is he does similar to what your mate did where he stacked the bid and the offer side uh, as soon as the, the particular market opened. In this case, it was the Nikkei. And uh, 
I remember, so I, I was I was like in proper gambling mentality where I was getting everything wrong during the day and then I started trading PA uh, uh, that night. And that was the day when the Japanese um, uh, 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 nuclear plant blew. So he decided to stack the bid far away from the money, went to get a candy bar, the vending machine was broken, went down, bought himself a candy bar, came back and realized he was long a shitload of Nikkei futures, which he really didn't <laughs> want to be long. Anyway, it took about two months to pay back that debt. But anyway, just, it's, uh, it's a brutal, brutal sport when you get it wrong. And then that was the, the, re- the reason for my earlier point where I said that I had completely had to change my diet in order to trade because mm. the amount of money that, lunch breaks, bathroom breaks, and, you know, anything else has cost me over time. Is And it always seems to happen in a time that you need to. It could be deep lunchtime, you know, 10 past 1, and, and nothing's moved in in 40 minutes. And the minute you decide to, uh, the minute you decide to run downstairs and grab a sandwich, uh, that's Do you remember it. that day when, when the market collapsed? I think it was like Christmas Eve. The market, this, and someone took, in the last 10 minutes, someone took the SPY down about 200, 250 points. Do you remember that? That was, must have been oh. seven years ago. I don't know, six years ago. Oh, well. I remember. I decided I was just the most stupid move. And I remember that 15 minutes before that, I had some stops in, in place uh, to enter the position as opposed to close the position. Um, and I decided right. to pull because it's like, well, it's Christmas Eve. What am I going to do? Anyway, sorry. So what, <laughs> What, Sorry, what was what, uh, what was that last bit? Why do you trade other than to make? Oh, right. Um, well, there's there's multiple reasons. One, it's fun. <laughs> um, and secondly, it's you know you've it's quite an independent an independent job where you get to make. You sort of, you know, you live and die by the sword, right? So you can't, at the end of the day, you can't blame anybody else for for any of your mistakes. And so some people like the, I enjoy the uh, the solitude. If is that if that's deep enough for you, Ivan? <laughs> so you like um, to trade because you like people. Uh, I just, I do enjoy, I do enjoy a punt, so that, that does help, Um, and there is, I I just, I couldn't think of another job that, that uh, you could actually do where you never get bored, because there's something, sorry? Sorry, go yeah, there's there's not really uh, there's there's not really any other job you can do where there's where there's constant change every day, and it's you know and and you can you can sort of immerse yourself in in unlimited amount of micro and macro information, and it just never ends. Right? So if you if you're that way inclined, where where you always want to learn and read, this is this is perfect. Which is funny because your type of trading doesn't really require a lot of fundamental 
analysis, right? I mean, you do that for the for the fun of it outside, right? I mean, yeah. really, it's all yeah, that's it's all about flow. That's right. Yeah, but I guess that's but that's the balance between it being a job and a hobby, right? So I, I know where the money is, but then you know, I'd obviously other it's much easier to to jump on a on a trend. So we've we've had quite a few lately, you know. If you've mm. if you've uh, if you've been on the uh, on the afterpay gravy train the last two or three weeks, um, there's there's been quite a few stocks out there like that that have you know hit lows. Newcrest, hit right. a low. Newcrest, yeah. There's there's just been things that have just been oversold for the sake of uh, liquidity. And cash, and uh, you know, the money's finding its way back into the market. So things like Newcrest. Another question from from uh, David. So another. So Newcrest moved like sixteen percent in three days. Um, mm. What what happens? I mean, you know, like clearly the market's not efficient when when, when it can go from you know twenty five to twenty seven. Time. Yes. Well, uh, well so new, new, I guess new, Newcrest, uh, Newcrest is a bit complicated at the moment. Any stocks that that, that have had capital raising in yes. in the last month, I try to avoid because they they will they will trade erratic um, and, and and can be a bit unpredictable. Mm. So there's been there's been a few that that didn't really make sense. QBE raised money and then uh, didn't hold the, the the placement price and went below two or three days after. Um, so there's it, it's hard to work out why certain stocks do that. So I'm I'm not I'm not going to give I'm not I'm not going to speculate as to as to what what happened in Newcrest, but usually I just, after that, I, I, try, I used to trade a lot of gold stock, uh, but as soon as any of them raise money, I just, I step out of the way. Mm. And uh, they just a great answer regarding Newcrest. What about the macro level? Uh, what are you, what are you looking at? I mean, are you watching the S&P 500? Is, are there levels around 3,000 that you're looking at, or maybe slightly lower? Uh, are you looking at some levels in Australia? Uh, we were speaking about this a long time ago about, you know, having, mm. you know, wh- when is the dead cat bounce happening? And it happened a little bit later than both you and I thought. Are you, is this a dead cat bounce or are we going higher? Um, it's, 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 a, it's a question with, with many answers. Um, is is, well, is, is, is Trump a macro environment? Trump. Trump? <laughs> so is 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 Trump, he considered? Is <laughs> so, um, the the simple the simple answer is that we're 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 massively overpriced and the market should collapse. But and that's and that's a very simplistic view, but. A more complex answer to that is that um, there is the governments have 
basically said that there is no limit to how much money we will pump into the economy to support it. So, you know, it was there was a, a day last week where the Dow was up. It was only a few days ago, actually, where the Dow was up 400 points on the day those employment figures came out um, out of the US. Ever. And it was, it was the, the worst ever. So just... So one one is you know the view that everyone's taking to to rationalise this is they're saying oh the the stock market is you know looks into the future. Um, <laughs> I've heard that a couple um, of times. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay. <laughs> when when you guys are in February when you guys were looking, or when, even December when when the when, uh, when did, COVID popped up for the first time. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. So it's it's always. Uh, um, I'd, uh, every economy and every the ECB, uh, the US, I guess Australia, New Zealand, ev- everywhere have said that. Well, we'll just, you know, the, the US's approach in in the GFC was just to flood the flood the the um, the markets with money, mm. and they said and the US has said we'll we'll go as far as buying our own stocks if we have to. <laughs> almost, <laughs> almost. They said they were well, yeah, almost. They're, yeah, exactly. So I guess from from that point of view it's it's really hard to sell because the bond buying and the unlimited liquidity that, that will be put in them in the markets plus zero mm-hmm. you know, a point two five cash rate. Um, there's like really nowhere money. else. There's nowhere else to put it. There was nowhere else to put it when the when the ASX was at seven thousand, and that was the argument back then. And it's the same argument now in 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 terms of where 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 what asset class do you put your mm. cash in? Because it's it's worthless in the bank. So I'm going to ask you a question that I think that over the past. I, I, I literally about six months ago, if I asked this question, I probably would have been clubbed to death. Um, but it's a question that's been asked for about a year. Uh, is there a problem? It doesn't mean I might not. It, it, it doesn't mean that I might not club you later. <laughs> uh, no, you'll you'll possibly club me. But um, it's just it's just how we say hello. Uh, but you know, look, uh, yes. Are they are they contributing to the problem? Um, which, sorry, what, what, which problem is that? I don't think they're a problem. I think that's a, um, I think it's a, it's a good way for people who, who don't really understand or don't, who, who don't really understand individual securities and don't want to can enter the market and buy parcels of stock. So I like I, I like ETFs. The, the problem is sometimes that you know we're in in crashes. Sometimes the the value of the ETF goes below the value of the underlying securities. Um, but other than that, I'm I mean, not isn't one it. of those <laughs> isn't one of those problems that if you suddenly have these moves in one direction or the other. You have these mm. exacerbated moves because uh, effectively it's like 
you know, what, what you and I would always call dumb money before ETFs, where you've just got flow yeah. coming in, like flow, and it's not like it's trying to say, okay, well, you know, I've got 200 shares in my portfolio, and I'm going to go in and, you know, there's some sectors that are going to be better defensively, some that are worse. I'm just going to go and bash sell yeah. everything. <laughs> That's right, and it's just people getting, people just wanting to go to cash, right? So there's, yeah, there is, there would be a lot of, um, as you said, stupid money, but I think it's just, um, you know, there'd be a lot of, of retail investors in there. There'd be, you know, some um, someone managing this, uh, their own super. I think a lot of that kind of money would go into into ETFs. And yeah, yeah. I, I, I like to, um, you know, take away the the sort of the extremes and look at how things perform 99% of the time. Mm. So, Pete, I, I find that a lot. Yeah, go on. I just, the thing is, for me, for example, I just I can't rationalise going and putting money into Telstra at, at the same weight that I would in, say, a technology company. Um, or... You know, and Telstra obviously has a lot of technology or a, or a biotech or, you know, like there's just, <clears throat> there's, there's different companies that do different things and, mm. you know, and even if, if you look at, say, for example, a sector, let's call it the banking sector, you know, you start saying, okay, well, ANZ and NAB are underperforming Westpac and CBA because they're poorly run businesses. You know, why should I evenly weight the whole thing? Um so I think that it, it's like you know this space as well as anybody else. Mm. It's a hard space. Yes. You know, money doesn't come free. Even if you're investing in something term, you know, you don't invest into any odd business. And in the top two hundred, for example, there are a lot of shitty bad businesses. Really bad businesses. <laughs> yes, you you would know you would know firsthand. <laughs> I am not. I'm not you, running you, you the top two hundred business. <laughs> no, no, no. But um, I've seen it. Yeah. No, <laughs> yeah, you've, yeah. Well, you know what Pat, the business is run. Patrick, Patrick knows a lot more. Um, Only run <laughs> business. Than, yeah, well, I, I, I guess the, um, the simple answer to that is that technology stocks are higher risk because they trade on extraordinary. PEs based on future earnings, um, whereas things like Telstra, uh, in outside of this environment, are considered, you know, safety income stock. So you would obviously weight your portfolio heavier towards a Telstra versus a, a WiseTech or a Afterpay, or that's. That's that's just how I guess. Sorry. Unless you're buying an ETF, in which case it's all even. Unless well, that's, well, I mean. Sorry, go on. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, I that's that should not be how ETFs are, are weighted in terms of percentage. But I mean, most ETFs are, have a. You know, you'll, you'll have one tech stock amongst uh, a few safe havens. I guess I wouldn't call the banks a safe haven at the moment, but 
outside these times. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, question for you was around, and I think this actually came up twice, why don't you trade US? Um, it's just logistics, really. It's, um, it's getting access to, to capital over there and margins and, and also the time zone. So I did when I lived over there for a while and well, they, were, they were good times, but, you know, it's, it's, not, it's not really logistically, it's not, it's not possible. Yeah, with the time zone, I, that's that's pretty much it. But yeah, I, yeah, I think that the, the movements in some of those in in those stocks are, are phenomenal, and, and you would you would probably do it. Yeah, any 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 day trader uh, up and up and coming, or you know, someone who doesn't have um, young kids. <laughs> <laughs> I actually, at one point in time, I was thinking about moving to Perth because I used to trade so much European and, and US markets and the time zone is obviously very favorable mm. for that. Yeah. Um, or completely the other way, which was uh, into New Zealand. Um, question for you, uh, which is quite a journey. I think, I don't know if Pat's asleep yet, but um, what is your favorite sector at the moment? Have you got, if you were to invest in a sector, what would you be investing in? It's probably going to give away a little bit about what do you think about the longer-term fundamental uh, nature of the economy because if you're going to say telecommunications uh, or technology, I'm going to be uh, – <laughs> we all know you're defensive. <laughs> yes. Um, I, I guess that, yeah, for, if, you, if, you're inve- if you're a high-risk investor, the, the tech sector, and obviously the, um, there's a lot of – up-and-coming smaller pharmaceutical companies that, that have done quite well, um, but I, I'm uh, I'm quite defensive at the moment because we've we've recovered significantly off the lows, uh, especially most of the market. I think that you know that the index looks like it like it's a lot lower because we were at you know 7200 and now we're at 54 55 but mm. a lot of that is is the banks have not recovered because mm. of the dividends um, so if you if you take those stocks out i think a lot a lot of the market has recovered and feels expensive up here so yeah. i'd be i'd be i'd be cautious i guess i'd be i'd be cautious up here, and I'd be looking at you know stocks that are that are. I think something like Fortescue that has not even come off a few percent in this market has not um, stripped its dividend. Um, mm. I think that's just gonna that's just gonna hold up, mm. uh, and then be yeah. So just any I guess look for any companies. That that have uh, that have done that are strong that have done well um, over this period that have not had to cut the dividend will always be supported because I think there's there's quite a or bit of money a lot sitting of money. on this <laughs> or yes that's right or has diluted the shareholding uh, so anyone yeah. who doesn't need money or 
Um, so like yes. G eight was a good was a good example. I saw a couple of guys got stuck in that yeah. for a bit. <clears throat> yeah, maybe stay away from the airline. <laughs> the airline education. So <laughs> yes, so, yeah. Stay away from airlines. Uh, stay, stay away from uh, um, from a lot of the property stocks that, that might have some write downs. Uh, do you and that still need to raise cap? money in small caps? Do you trade um, in small caps? Not really. Not not since I traded a, a lot of those uh, a lot of those weed stocks like. Can and THC and uh, we. <laughs> well, uh, the marijuana. I don't, I don't know what the uh, what's the technical Tadavis. term for it. Cannabis. Here we go. I was uh, I was I was I was too busy, uh, you know, day trading. Yeah, and, then uh, not, and not and not smoking, you know. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. That explains a lot. Um, hmm. Risk management, right? Um, final question. I think that, sorry, yeah, go. On. I might, I might pop in. Um, look, I think we're getting to uh, sort of quarter past eight, so we've had everyone on online for for over an hour, and I think this is a good sort of length to run a session like this. Um, I've just been sitting back and taking it all in, Phil. Great um, to hear from you. <laughs> well um, and uh, excellent sure. presentation for everyone that's on the session tonight um, the a, a few people have thrown in a couple of late um, questions so I'll go to those in one moment but uh, if you're bumping out of the session tonight please give feedback um, I'll forward the feedback to Phil as well it's always encouraging when you when when, when you hear what people have got to say about uh, your presentation so Please give feedback as you leave. For any of the people that are on, I know a lot of people are here are regulars. But if you're not and you've come in for the first time, you want to use some of our trading technology, we'll give you a free trial. I put a link you can click through to or type in yes, and we'll get someone from our office to get you set up. Um, Neil, Neil has asked, I saw on your Canon trading website that you offer Elgo. Correct. Yeah, so we, we, we offer uh, Algos via open markets. Um, and that's, uh, I guess, you can send an inquiry in through our website and somebody from our team will be in touch. Cool. Canon uh, trading. Is, I mean, if, they, if I guess most, most of the stuff we offer is um, especially to, unless you're a, um, a 708, a sophisticated investor it's it's quite basic um they're just quite basic algos is it only for equities? sorry is it only for equities only for equities yes yeah so all all our plumbing is is done into um it's done into the iris web services into iris and um so you can either use you can either use a, an iris terminal or um, you can use our front end. Yeah, beautiful. Excellent. Right. Well, I'm going to say thank you very much, Ivan. Thank you as well. I will um, 
we'll, we'll call the session to a halt and thank you to everyone for taking the time to be here today. Um, and uh, for those of you playing the options game, good to see you there. Uh, we're running a session tomorrow night on... Uh, what are we talking about tomorrow night on? I think we're talking about options strategy. But <laughs> something volatility, wasn't it? I don't know. Yeah. Some of the options so we're talking about we're uh, iron condors, uh, long straddles, calls and puts, um, that kind of stuff. So um, if you want to get onto that session, uh, you can book in via the morning report. We'll have a link in it. Or if you put a 10 into the chat box now, uh, someone will go through the report in the morning and, and get you set up with an invite. Um, and then uh, Thursday we're back for the next big trade. Ivan, we get to talk about bear calls and bull puts again, it looks like. Um, I don't, I don't uh, know about bullish trades at the moment, but uh, after this, it's my takeaway. Sorry if I put any of the bulls off. but <laughs> That's it. Now, I've, I've shot early from now on, and if I lose money, I'll just take it out of me. What do we pay? Yeah. Oh, well, if, yeah. If the market's 20% higher this time next year, uh, I'll never be invited <laughs> back on. <laughs> well, you know, even, even if it's 20% lower, we'll, we'll be asking questions. <laughs> yeah. Beautiful. Uh, Excellent. Thanks, Bill. All right. All right. Thank you. Thanks, everyone. Thanks. Peace, guys. Good night. Ciao.